This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. The Big Interview, intriguing lives, remarkable careers, and gripping stories. I'm Sonal Rupani, alongside Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. This is the insane, the madcap, the bonkers, delete where applicable story of Carlos Kaiser, the greatest footballer to never actually play the game. Now, I tracked down a man who actually has made a film about Carlos Kaiser, a man by the name of Louis Miles. Now, he's a documentary filmmaker and he is the creative genius behind Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football. So let me give you a little bit of background before we delve into this interview. This is... It's mental. Well, it's not believable. It it's, it's flat out not believable. It is. I, and I guess we, we'll start there, because at first glance, it may seem that uh, Carlos Henrique Raposo, that's his full name, he is better known as Kaiser, had an impressive football career. You can Wikipedia, you can search for him on Google, and in that you will find that this individual played, some say 13 years, some say 26 years, from the late 70s all the way through into the 90s. He was on the books of, and this isn't in, dis, uh, in disrepute, some of the books of the top clubs across the globe. He played, I say played loosely, he was on the books of Flamingo, who are a big club over in Brazil, Vasco da Gama, Botafogo. These are all huge clubs in Brazil. He had a little stint at Mexican giant Puebla, and he was also over in France, allegedly. He played for Gazalic Ajaccio. So this is a man who's carved out, on the face of it, a very impressive footballing career. But Kaiser was, in his own words, an anti-footballer. To you and I, He was a con artist. For while Kaiser enjoyed a long, and as you will hear, very fruitful career, he did so having never played a single match. Not one, not a single second did he spend on the football field in a competitive match. And he did so via injuries, a phone, and with the charisma of an Italian suit salesman. You will love this fella, Robbie. So you will. So let's get to this. Because I tracked down the man who dedicated two years of his life to making a film about Carlos Kaiser, arguably the greatest con artist in football history. Now, Miles, uh, Louis Miles, uh, he first heard the name Carlos Kaiser, the man, the myth, the legend, in a London pub. A number of years ago, one evening, he was sitting with his friend Tom Markham and a guy by the name of Rob Fulham, who knew of the story. And I will allow Louis to pick up there. Over the course of half, half an hour, hour, they both sort of start telling me this story of this this guy, uh, this myth, this legend, a man who um, had a 26-year professional football career in Brazil and internationally, signed contracts for loads of famous clubs, but never played a game. Um, and that he was a guy that basically refused to play, would do anything not to play because he wanted the status of a footballer. <laughs> he wanted the high lifestyle of being associated with... Um, all the glamour and fame that you'd get from being a footballer, particularly in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in the 80s and 90s, where, you know, if you're of a certain age, you will look back at those times and, and remember that those Brazilian teams very fondly indeed. And, and obviously Rio is is a marvellous, marvellous place um, and full of celebrity and it's very salubrious and, and, and nice to be at. So um, uh, Kaiser basically had no talent whatsoever, couldn't kick a ball, was terrible at the game, but knew he was very good looking, that he looked like a um, a very famous player in Brazil called Renato Gaúcho, who did play for the Brazilian national team on quite a few occasions, but never really in the World Cup. And um, 
managed to forge a relationship with some of the the biggest names in Brazilian football who who then vouched for him and he would sign these contracts at clubs and and through all that he created this massive network of uh, favours I guess really where he could get anything that he wanted in Brazil um, certainly Rio um, and he would sort everyone out and, and what he wanted was not payment and he didn't want to um, coerce anybody apart from having the status of being a footballer and, and he created this whole life of of being a fake footballer, basically, uh, and got away with it. And got away with it. it that is the, the thing that is just beyond belief, is that how could nobody realize oh. that he had never played oh. a single game? Don't you get caught out in training you at wait. some point if you're on a football team? Yeah. You have to train with everybody. You and you wait. don't sign a player without seeing them kick a ball. Well, back then, though, Rob, there was no Google. There was no internet. And as you will find out, some of the things that he did to avoid detection. i just got to just point to the picture, uh, put you in the picture as well. Uh, Miles did mention there as well that uh, he heard that story in a pub. He went away. He was a docu- uh, documentary maker. And he said he lay awake at that night and said, I simply need to make this happen. And that's what he did. He and three friends, they went over to Rio. They dedicated two years of their life to the project. They, that entailed raising equity, of course, to fund the project, moving to Rio, setting up home there, and ultimately tracking the man, the myth, the legend of Carlos Kaiser down. He said it was surreal, it was funny, it was a brilliant two years. Now, he did admit, though, that the first few weeks there were a struggle, that he and his three-man crew were starting to get worried. They had spoken to Carlos, he had put them in touch with what he described as low-level people who were privy to his story. Mm. But there were stories, there were tidbits, there were things they couldn't actually confirm. But then came their big break, and it was a chat with an iconic World Cup winner which shed, uh, helped shed light on this startling story. Carlos Alberto then agreed to do the interview, and then he, in his interview, he said, look, yeah, I had him at, at Botafogo and Flamengo. He was terrible, and he kept on trying to, to come and play, but we ended up liking him and having him around, you know, and, and he ended up being this amazing figure in, in Rio football. And, um, I mean, it's just, then, then your mind starts to blow a little bit, and, and then there's all these photos of him and Carlos Alberto like, having genuine, I mean, they were genuine friends, you know, you know, these big family dinners together, all the rest of it. And then you kind of realise that there's a story here. He's he's part, and he's definitely part of, of Rio uh, football life. And, and he absolutely was. I mean, he was at a lot of these clubs. Even the clubs, I mean, the clubs themselves now would never say he was there. But we've we had um, a guy who's, I think he's now uh, the sporting director of Fluminense. And he said at the Vasco, no, we wanted him at Vasco because he helped us keep the players in line. That's why we had him in. Wow. Um, and if he wanted to pretend that he was a player, then that's great. But yeah, we paid him, and he was. And then, and and as we went on, I mean, there was there was so many different people. I mean, I think one of the most revealing ones was a guy called Buffalo Gil, who was um, a manager in Brazil, and he had Botafogo to the first league title in sixty years. And he basically said, no, he was he was never a player, but he had a playing contract, and he was there with us for five years all the way through. You know, five years at one of Brazil's biggest club, um, and and he said, "But don't don't get don't get me wrong. He was never going to be anywhere near the first team, and I I didn't really want him around. But he was there. And then after a while, he, you know, he worked his way into the club, and um, and and he had the year of people. He would win you over with his chat straight away. 
he would win you over with his chat. We're only scratching the surface, folks. You're a bit perplexed it by sounds, it Because it sounds like some of the people who were around him actually did kind of catch on to it, but perhaps he managed to fool oh. the people in power in making decisions, right? Because it sounds like some people there were on to him. Yeah, don't you worry. It was an open secret. If he could bring people to the best parties in Rio, yeah. they staged Stoom. But as you will find out, he eventually got in the crosshairs of arguably the most dangerous man in Brazil. Let's get to the how in all of this, because what he did was he created a network. He would befriend players at top <laughs> Brazilian clubs who could then recommend them to their managers. He would form close ties with sports journalists who could write articles about his quote-unquote ability and achievements. Was now, anyone honest in this story? Not many, right. in all honesty, Rob. And, in, and what they would get in return is he was a man about town. He could garner the best restaurant bookings, he could get you into nightclubs, and as you will hear, he could procure other items as well. He also once successfully duped a club into signing him. He then said, the next day, oh, I need an operation, so that means I'm injured. No problem, because he was so charming. No problem, you go and get that injury. I mean, we're back in the 70s and 80s here. You go and get that injury sorted, have the operation, and you'll be back fit. He made extensive use of a fake mobile phone. He pretended to take calls from his agent, offering transfers to foreign clubs. He was just the ultimate con man. Now, we're in conversation with a man who dedicated two years of his life to bring this story to the silver screen, a man by the name of Louis Miles. Now, as I pointed out to him, Essentially, Kaiser became something of a mascot. People wanted him around. They enjoyed his company. He was inoffensive. But he did everything in his power not to kick a football. So what extraordinary lengths did he go to ensure that he wasn't rumbled? And, well, this story, it may just be the best anecdote that we've rolled out. So I think the important thing to realise is that, to give context to the story, it's not like these days when you get a three-year contract and you're at that club. Um a lot of, especially at that time in Brazil, a lot of the clubs were sort of three month contracts. And if you'd been there for two weeks, then you would automatically get the three month contract by Brazilian law. So Kaiser knew all of this, right? Um, and then the other thing was is that he, you know, because he didn't actually play, he would then have two or three clubs at the same time. So um, he would collect them, as, as uh, probably the best way to say. Um, and one of his, he had a lot of staple clubs, and one of those clubs was Bangal, which is a club in the in the west zone of Rio, and it was owned by a mafia boss called uh, Castro de Andrade, who was probably the most dangerous man in Brazil in the eighties. And Castro, Castro's network basically set up FIFA, you know, was very closely aligned to the structure that FIFA had under Joao Avalanche. Uh, they were best mates, um, uh, so they kind of it was all really mixed in, and. Um, Kaiser ended up at Bangle, um, this football club, and did his usual, which was perform really well in training, um, <laughs> blitz all the fitness tests, um, and then somehow get to just about past two weeks where you'd have to get where he'd get the contract, um, and then he would pull up injured. And because the you know we're talking ages, there's no MRIs back in those days. Um, you know, it's kind of like what the player said, really. So then he had his card. He had his little. He would have his little card, and he could go around, um, and and be a footballer to, to people in nightclubs and to restaurants, and then and then work off that currency. It was the card that gave him the currency to do whatever he, he wanted. Really. But Vancouver, he he really liked it though. So he would do lots of things to try and stay there, including he he paid off the Bangu band who who play every game um, to sing his name. He would he would pay them a bit of his salary. So that even if he wasn't playing, they'd be, they'd be singing how great he was in the touchlines. 
um, uh, to give the impression that he was a great footballer. Um, but of course, Castor is a, a mafia boss. He, you don't pull the wool over his eyes. He, he's got a lot of links. I mean, when he got taken down, eventually Castor, the, the president of Brazil, was on his payroll, um, uh, as long as most of Rio police and all the rest of it. So he he he, he, he was no fool. Um, but he demanded that that, that uh, Kaiser would have to play um, in, in a game against Curitiba. Um, and Kaiser was out in a nightclub, and then the coach Moisés calls him and says he has to play, and he's not very happy about it. Um, but he says, it's okay, I'll only put you on the bench. You know, just, you know, I know you're not fit on the rest of it. Um, but they go 2-0 down very early on, and Castor's had enough of it at this point, and said, bring on Kaiser, you want to see him, and see him play. And so Kaiser starts warming up, and he gets worried about it, and then he sees some fans shouting abuse at him across the fence. Um, and he's, uh, he, you know, he, he, he realises there's a chance here. So he climbs the fence and starts the fight with the fan and gets himself sent off before he has to go on the pitch. And that, uh, he, so that basically means he can't cut on. And then Castor comes down at half-time and basically, you know, starts to read in the right act. But then Kaiser's very quick thinker. Um, still is these days, master manipulator, and basically says, look, Dr. Castor, you know, you're like a father to, to me. God has taken away my father, uh, and you are my father now. And um, uh, those people, I had to start those fight with people because they were dishonouring your name. They were saying, you're a, a drug addict, and you killed that guy last Tuesday because there had been a murder. Um, uh, and, you know, they were saying all this stuff, and I just needed to defend your honour. And Castor loved it, and instead of sacking him or... or you know, sending his heavies on him, he, he extended his contract by another three months. <laughs> so um, these are the sort of things that he would pull. That is unbelievable. What what strikes me about that is just the quick thinking. And of course, that was mentioned there. But just if you were in that situation, if you were finally being called on your bluff, to be able to not only get out of going out on that pitch and showcasing the fact that you can't kick a ball, but getting out of that and then on top of that getting in a fight and getting out of that as well yeah, he was all just within a short span of time the, the master conman in that regard he would put himself in situations and he would always find the exit door in a lot of ways that would take him into a new lie and then find the answer to that and that was a state of execution we're talking about you know a very well known mafioso in brazil and he got himself out of that he embraced him and he gave him a new contract for what is essentially one big lie. It wasn't the only thing and he was almost exposed and almost rumbled numerous times. There's a very famous story that is told and, and Louis did tell me this story as well about he actually signed for a club over in France. The club had organised an open training session to show off their New York acquisition. They had done their research. He had managed to get his way over to France again, feeling that he was would be exposed as the conman that he was because they were expecting him to show off some tricks. They had invited a few hundred fans down. They're chanting the name of their new signing. What did he do? He just started taking the balls and firing them into the crowd as if little tokens of his appreciation kissing the club's badge anything that would stop the ball <laughs> from coming to his feet where they'd have to, to mull show. over a career of my own here I mean this is what you could get away with back then whether you could do it now and pull the wool over people's eyes I'm not so sure I think Twitter would find you out Twitter eventually would find you out but as for those little ruse to throw people off the scent as Louis explains and Louis is the filmmaker for this documentary about Carlos Kaiser well it didn't end there you'd be at another club called America in in, in, in Rio at a similar time and, and there'd be a different tactic there I mean he, he brought in all the sponsorship 
basically, you know, got all the players' watches and got the, the name on the front of the shirt sponsor. And so for for his payment for that, he wanted the football contract and the place on the bench to prove it. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's utterly brilliant, and then everyone would be different. I mean, but then certain things he would make up. So some of these clubs that he claims he's been at, he's never stepped foot in the country. And if he did go to Mexico, he definitely was in the USA as well. That he was, uh, he was, he, he was all part of. But some of these clubs, like Saudi Arabia, he just knew people that had gone to Saudi Arabia and basically had said. Oh well, I went to this this club here, and then because he'd spoken to that person, you'd know the team, you'd remember all the team, um, all, all the managers and all the people that were there. So when he was talking about it, it's so knowledgeable, and that would send him into another club. So he could go and get the the IDs and the um, and the, the football knowledge, and he's got a great memory, and he remembered all of this stuff, and he'd write all these notes, um, and so he would sound so knowledgeable. Why wouldn't you believe it? The, and, and then it just really, I mean, like, that whole process really makes you question everything about yeah. what we believe to be true and what is stats. Because, you know, there was no Google back in those days. You couldn't even look at this stuff back then. But look at Google now. It doesn't necessarily give you the truth now. I mean, I, I've certainly, from even researching this story and other stories, things go off and on there all the time and things are presented as fact. And it's and it's not. It's, it's You're still being, the message is still being manipulated. So he knew how to manipulate that message. In, in a lot of ways, he knew how to manipulate the message. In a lot of ways, he was ahead of his time because we all manipulate who we are with, with social media, etc. We can carve out a kind of caricature of what we want to be. Uh, where is Kaiser today? That was a question I asked Louis. Is he a cult hero? Is he doing well in life? What he had was status, and he's got that back now. He, he now works as a personal trainer. He, he trains um, uh, only, only females uh, in strength training. What has happened as a result of this film is that he's he's now got a place in the Brazilian National Football Museum as the one seven one of, of Brazilian football. Yes, you did indeed. It sounds it sounds like he's still Rupani. enjoying all the trappings of a footballer's lifestyle. Well, yeah. you think that, but there, and we'll finish off on this because well, I asked Louis whether he was still in touch with Kaiser, who's now in his late fifties. He's over there in Brazil. You heard there, he's a personal trainer for females only. Make of that what you will. He's got his place. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see his ad. <laughs> you should check him out as well. You can Google Carlos Kaiser. Los hombres uh, do not apply. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, he's also well. Well, you're about to find out what also he's up to, and this is absolutely incredible. Yeah, he, he contacts me about once every two, three weeks. He just wants to know how we're going. The, the way the film went, we did cinema routes, um, and so it's gone out in cinemas in certain places. You have different theatrical runs at certain points, and then it goes on TV. And so we we you know that. It's not been like it was taken up by Netflix worldwide. We have to do these deals in different countries, which um, is really interesting because I get to have these conversations every every couple of months or so when when you know it comes out. And I think it's just about to come out in France on telly and on Canal Blue there, and uh, it's it's um, it's out on Amazon in the USA and all the rest of it. So so you update it with what's going on, and then he you know he feeds back in. I, I think he's okay. I think he he's. Um, I mean, he's back on Brazilian television as a pundit, um, you know, on, on football TV programs, giving his views on the game, despite never being. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, yeah, he goes on about once a month. There's a thing called Mesa Redonda, which is on a Sunday. It's the round table. And so he does that every now and again. And then there's like hour specials. And then, um, it's, I mean, look, I mean, we, 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 we're gearing up for a TV release in Brazil, finally. 
Um, and like, so we know we obviously met quite a lot of journalists there at the time. So there's all these big, you know, we're going to have this big push in, in Brazil again when it's all out with all the big national newspapers there. And, and all the journalists are really excited about it. So he's going to, it's going to cement him in, in football folklore, really. And up, up there with the likes of Carlos Abraz and Romario and, and all these absolute legends, you know, it, it, it is completely bananas. It really is completely bananas. I, I, I love it personally. You heard it there. It will put him up there with some of the footballing icons yeah. in From Brazilian one Carlos history. to another. From one Carlos <laughs> to another. And yeah, just a, a remarkable story, guys. Carlos Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football. It's a documentary. It is out in certain territories. There's a book written about him as well. There's so much more to that story. Thank you for listening, and if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and give us a review. This podcast was presented by Chris McCarty, Sonal Rupani, and Robbie Greenfield, and produced by Tom Paul Smith. We hope you join us next time on The Big Interview.